Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, my oldest daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi Paige, how are you? I'm doing so good. Good. I love that. I love hearing that. Paige, today we're going to talk about hearts. We're going to talk about what it takes to transform a heart and how to do it through love. Because I think, you know, oftentimes we think, okay, do we have to beat it into them because it's (laughs) just not going right? And the answer is no, you never have to beat it into them. Okay. I know that sometimes feel people feel like there really is no other choice. I have tried everything else. They don't care. So now I've got to get mean. Otherwise their heart is not going to change. And I want you to know something, a behavior might change. A person might be manipulated or even fearful for a moment, but that doesn't cause a change of heart. So we're going to talk today about a change of heart and what it really takes to have a change of heart. And just so you know, uh, some of the answer is in the title that love, how do you create an environment of love and teaching and heart changing? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think, and we're going to give you a a four-step process that you can go through for transforming hearts through love. And obviously for the children, but we're talking spouses and and other people that we associate with as well. So, Mm -hmm. but before we do that, we're going to be sharing with you a fun family activity because that's what we always do here on the Teaching Self-Government podcast. So what kinds of ideas do we have for a fun family activity page? Well, one that we just recently did, and it was super fun. Um, we recorded a dance that we had choreographed. We, this actually happens a lot. Not necessarily the whole family does it because, I mean, we're a little older and all sorts of spread out. But especially my like our, my youngest siblings, they'll get together and they'll you know, choreograph a dance and then they'll record it and either share it on social media or just share it with the family. And it's always so fun to watch and just to see the creativity that happens. Uh, Their latest, they took all of the glow sticks that we had used for 4th of July and taped it to their bodies and (laughs) did a dance in the dark. (laughs) They did. And it was so cool. I mean, it literally looks like it's a digitized thing. You know, when you film something in the dark like that and there's just these glow. I mean, they looked like little stick figures. Mm -hmm. It was so cute. And they had, they were all taped up. Yeah, it was really fun. And when when it comes to something like that, you know, popular things like TikTok dances or whatever, but you can really see the creative process that goes through people's minds, you know, when they choreograph these things. And like London, she is definitely gifted at that. That is one of her creative things. She's very good at choreographing and directing uh, dances mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so she's usually the one that spearheads that whenever you know she's at home and she's with everybody she's like let's do a dance <laughs> she is she loves to make up dances we've done so many I've done some of these crazy dances with her mm-hmm. and it is so fun and just to get silly and have a good time and then she always turns it into a cool video which she likes to do so <laughs> kind of kind of fun every time she gets together with the cousins they always oh we got to make a dance mm-hmm. and Porter loves to make the dances too he does a great job 
anyway, super fun. It's just been a thing that, that uh, we've gotten into recently. Uh, even dad has gotten into it a little bit. Now, who can forget the chicken dance? I know. If, 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 you, if anyone follows you on Facebook, they've seen it. <laughs> yeah, or Instagram. It's on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Anyway, super fun. Okay, so today we're talking about transforming hearts through love. And we're going to look at this through the lens of self-government. So what is self-government, Paige? Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing the knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yeah. Now, if you're going to really self-govern yourself, you can't hate yourself, right? Right. So there's a difference. So when people, when people say, oh, I don't like that behavior. Oh, da, 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 da. Some people go to the, I'm so stupid. I'm so, you know, I I can't do anything right. And they start doing a whole bunch of negative self-talk, which does not help. And actually is not beating yourself up is not part of self-government, right? Right. So you actually have to love yourself through the change. Whatever change you're going to be making, you actually love yourself through it. So you say to yourself, okay, which direction am I going? This is where I'm headed. This is the version of me I want to be. Okay, I fell short. So, but I know I'm trying, I know I'm working in the right direction. I know my heart is going toward good things. So we're going to try again, right? So we nurture ourselves along. We love ourselves along. We don't tell ourselves all is lost just because we made one mistake. And I think that's one thing, you know, about self-government that a lot of people don't usually recognize is that just like you nurture a child to teach them self-government, you also nurture yourself all the way along. Whenever you make mistakes, you don't beat yourself up. Instead, you acknowledge things that happen. You love yourself and you pick yourself up and you move on and you do it better the next time. Just like in that same process is what you're going to do with your children time and time again. Mm-hmm. So Paige, I want to just just set the stage here and, and talk about uh, some stories. So um, a mother contacted me recently and, and this mother could be any mother. Okay. I'm not even going to give her a name because, (laughs) because I've answered this type of question so many times that it's not even funny, but she, she, she contacted me and she said, you know, my child is so stubborn. He will not do anything that I want him to do. And I tell him to do this, he won't do it. I tell him to do this, he won't do it. I think I've spoiled him, says the mother (laughs) to me, because clearly I have not taught him that he needs to be obedient. So see, you know, people think love is indulgence, right? right? So this mother was saying, I love my child so much. And so I was being so kind and now my child won't do anything you know? So now what do I do? Cause now when I lovingly say, Hey, that's not okay. You know, we need to go in a new direction. The child's like, I don't care. I don't want to do what you're saying. I'm not going to. And all of a sudden the child is taking an authoritarian role. Mm-hmm. So then we end up in this really dysfunctional state where the parents not being perceived as the leader and the teacher and the child is not seeing themselves as a learner. And so then that's a problem. So their roles are all off in the family, you know, anyway. um, 
this mother said to me that she felt really detached from the child because the child was being so stubborn. It was like a wall there and she, the child didn't care about her, um, that kind of thing. And so, and, and, you know, I'm sure every single one of us, if not, you know, ourselves can think of a friend or a family member who is struggling with this kind of thing. It's really becoming um, a problem. And it's because the part of love is making sure that we do maintain, you know, who's going to do the teaching and the leading and, and how we correct things all the way along. We don't just indulge somebody that's not spoiling. Isn't loving someone necessarily. Yeah, well, love is doing what is best for the person that you're teaching. Mm-hmm. And so when you show, when you really have love for someone, especially a child, then it's going to be manifest in the form of different things, such as, you know, giving instructions or uh, corrections, stuff like that, because you know that that is what's going to be best for the child overall and for their character. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you bring that up because, because really people associate love with sacrifice, which makes sense. When you love someone, you'll sacrifice for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times people think, well, I'm sacrificing, I'm doing all the work so my child doesn't have to, right? Or I'm sacrificing, I'm giving my child all these toys and opportunities and things and stuff to divert their attention and to make them happy. And so they see that sacrifice. And so they say, well, that's love. And I'm not saying it's not love. The problem is, is that there's another kind of a sacrifice that is love that takes into account what you're talking about Paige, and that is the sacrifice of the time to do the teaching mm-hmm. the sacrifice of the time to do the correction that is something that a lot of people don't want to take the time to do is to work on those corrections and so what happens is they put up with misbehavior again and again and they think well i'm sacrificing like okay i won't I'm not going to make a big deal out of this right now. I'm sacrificing my own feelings about this situation. Feelings. Yes, that's it. So they feel like they're sacrificing their feel goods, but they still don't sacrifice the time, put in the time and the energy to do that correction. Mm -hmm. And then, so because of that, the child isn't necessarily getting what's in their best interest. So the parent might get what might be in their best interest for a minute because they don't have to deal with it right then because they're just allowing the bad behavior to happen. Yes, it's not really sacrificing if you're just Mm -hmm. deciding not to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. That's true. So anyway, this is where this is where people get, you know, a little bit thrown back and forth. Well, that if I'm gonna correct it, doesn't that make me mean? No. If we could just get that through our heads as parents in society today, correcting children is not a bad thing. It doesn't make you mean. Now, can it be done in a way that is mean or incredibly negative? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And and we we don't advocate for that because that's just manipulation. It's just emotional manipulation. Right. And we do talk a little bit about that in like your popular parenting course where it talks about those three different styles of parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, um, we absolutely don't, but there does have to be some consistency, some firmness, some principles of communication that you base things on so that you are 
able to truly get to the heart Mm -hmm. of things because when people are just indulging their emotions and everything else all the time on each other, then oftentimes we don't really get to the heart or being able to change the heart, ours or theirs. Um, We all start feeling very entitled. Yeah. Well, and you have to be able to change. You have to be willing to change your own heart before you can even try to inspire change in your children's hearts. Yeah. So with this particular mother, we talked about bonding and that bond of love and how, you know, if she's feeling detached from the child, she can do something about that on her side. She can choose to fix that bond and to decide, wait, how do, how do I want my relationship to them to be? Mm-hmm. And so she, we, we determined that she needed to work on praying to love them and to feeling love toward them. Because if not, anytime she's going to correct them or anytime she's going to, you know, talk to them about anything, she's automatically going to start thinking the worst of them, which is what she already was doing. So every time the child opened his mouth, whether he was going to be, you know, rude and, and oppositional or not, she immediately was like, oh, here it comes, the selfishness, my entitled kid, he doesn't care. And automatically that's where her mindset was. And so the child didn't have a chance Mm -hmm. because the parent was automatically prejudging them based on past feelings that they had. And so that doesn't help. Yeah, well, this actually happens between spouses too. I fell into that trap um, when I first got married and I'm, you know, I still fall into it sometimes, but you know, there's always something that, you know, annoys you about your spouse. That's just how it goes with marriage. But because I know the self-government system and my husband, uh, is still learning and he didn't really know it when we first got married, I actually kind of used that against him. And that was a really big lesson for me. Uh, you know, looking back now, and seeing, oh, you know, he didn't really know this, but I expected him to because he was married to me. And I tried to teach him, but mm. like I, I learned that I had to be the example and just show him that it works. So I, you know, I had to instigate that understanding, instigate that love instead of just expect it from him because it kind of got us into a little bit of trouble when it came to like being on the same page with things, because I was expect, I had these expectations that he wasn't meeting. And so I immediately got into a habit of expecting the worst from him, Mm. expecting an immediate change. And so, and that's something you can't expect either when, you know, you're trying to train your children to change their hearts and trying to train yourself to teach or to change your heart. It's the change isn't going to be immediate. And so you do have to be patient. So it's not just between, you know, parents and children, but it can happen between spouses as well. Oh, anyone. Yeah. It can really be, this can be for any person, your sister, your parents, your, you know, anybody. Um, Of course, we have different roles with all those different people and with spouses Mm -hmm. and children, we can definitely teach each other things better. Oh, for sure. Okay. So I love, you know, that was really, that was really vulnerable. That was really open for you to share that story. 
And I think a lot of <laughs> newlyweds or people who remember back to when they were newlywed could shake their head and go, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've been there, you know, where it's like, we are, we just assume that that other person is going to just jump into line with everything that we know and that we do. And then we go, oh, they're different. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you go, oh, wait, then, we actually have to like be the example. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's one thing to, it's one thing to preach something, right? It's another mm-hmm. thing to practice it. And, um, and it's also, with, you know, when, when we're, when we are, you know, having a relationship with another person, you also have to have a lot of grace. You have to have a lot of understanding of, well, okay, they have to learn, right? We have to nurture somebody along just like you, you don't just demand, Hey, this is how I want to communicate, but you have to help the person see why that's important. Well, there's the other perspective too. It can be of benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you're on the learning end, say you're like, say if I were in my husband's shoes, you know, I, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of love and a lot of selflessness to say, oh, they're trying to teach me something. I think there's some benefit in this. I'm going to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a ton of humility that you're requiring of a person, especially, I mean, when they're an adult person, right? It's yeah. even more, I mean, everyone, children too, but, but when they're an adult, they even feel more set in their ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, Especially if you've been so living on your own even, for a while. <laughs> yeah. So it takes even more humility to be like, what are you saying? You know, mm-hmm. You're saying I need to change something here and you have to be open to it. And yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. Okay. So, um, I often share a story of when I was a foster parent and I, I had, you know, amazing foster children there's one in particular that was difficult because she was a kleptomaniac she was a diagnosed kleptomaniac she was a compulsive liar uh she had anchor control issues she was really hard to attach to um because she was all manipulations and and lies and i shouldn't say she was all okay that's not nice to say <laughs> but, but that because she was absolutely not i, she I raised for that to be the normal i loved her yes but like that was her behavior problem okay it was just everything was manipulations manipulations she was guarding herself all the time guarding herself and so um but she had a lot of other amazing qualities of course too Anyway, so this was a daily thing. Every day we're working on this. And you know, when, when something is happening so often, you just start feeling like, is this ever going to go away? Are we ever going to go away? Yeah. <laughs> this person, can they really overcome this? I mean, you wonder that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I realized that I started thinking hopeless thoughts about her, like, Maybe she's beyond fixing, <laughs> you know, maybe she's beyond repair and nobody, nobody is beyond improvement. Like really nobody is beyond improvement. And we, so we can't give up. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I was fighting these feelings of giving up on this person because I thought, well, I didn't make her problems anyway. I mean, she's been so severely <laughs> abused and everything. And it's like, you know, this this is all her. She's picking this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, um, I devised this plan. I decided, okay, Nicole, well, I caught myself first. I said, 
Okay, Nicolene, you have been caught not loving a person and trying to help them change. Here you go. <laughs> you have been caught. So I caught myself not really loving her because she was hard to love. In fact, it was kind of annoying. And so I decided that I needed to work on that. So I made a plan for myself. And my plan was that every single day at a certain time of day, I was going to pray to love her and to see her goodness. And if I'm going to be honest, I prayed for that more than one time a day. <laughs> but there was one time a day. Like you had a scheduled set apart time. It was an appointment. Yeah. I had an appointment every single day at 3.45 p.m. I would pray to love her and to see her goodness. And the reason why is because she was going to walk in the door from school at 4 p.m. <laughs> And so I would prepare at that time. Didn't matter what was going on. No matter what was happening, I would be like, it's 345. I got to go pray. Yeah. And so I would pray every day at 345. Now I prayed for her every morning. I prayed for her every night, but I wasn't just praying for her. I was praying for me. I was <laughs> praying that I would love her. I was asking God to give me gifts of love and to see her goodness and her potential past these behaviors of, you know, well, okay, what did she steal today at school, you know, from somebody else, because this yeah. was such a problem. When I started praying for her and to love her and to see her goodness, everything started to change. I stopped being whole, held up in my own prejudice. Okay. And, and all of a sudden my heart changed and that led to her heart changing and bonding and all of a sudden searching for what had been potentially stolen after school did not seem like it was such a big deal anymore. Mm -hmm. Even though we still And she did, probably started stealing less would be my guess. She actually did. And, and it really was the love. Mm -hmm. It was the love in all of it. And I cannot magnify that enough. Now, did she also learn how to accept no answers? Yes. Did she also learn how to follow instructions, disagree appropriately, accept consequences? Yes. She could do all four of those four basic skills. And that's amazing because it's truly the love behind it that mm -hmm. inspires those things. Yeah, that's the thing though. Cause it really was the love, you know, when I talk to parents and, and they, you know, say what they want most, usually the one of the first words out of their mouth is I want my home to feel loving. I want my family environment to be full of love, you know, and mm -hmm. sometimes they even relate it to a religious reference, you know, Christ-like love or something like that. They say, and this is because we know this is foundational, but we get hung up in the, okay, how do I reach the person? How do I teach the person? How do I, how do I, you know, help this person change? So then we get, okay, skills. Nicolene has skills. These are so great. <laughs> I'm going to use these skills. I'm going to correct with these skills. I'm going to whatever. But then what they don't realize is before Nicolene ever taught the skills, she focused on all these tone elements like love and calmness and acceptance and trust and understanding. And yeah. There's mercy. a lot of like and foundation work that happens. The yeah, skills are just the house on top. <laughs> people are like, give me the skills, give me the skills, give me the skills. And I'm like, okay, but what do you want your house to wash away in a flood? <laughs> yeah. You need the foundation. <laughs> exactly. So, so anyway, we, um, I spend a ton of time talking about those tone elements and love is one of those. 
It's so, so important. So a person has to want to change their behavior. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And their heart and their connection and they have to want it. So let's just remember that. Okay. If, if you're hoping your child will have a change of heart or a change of behavior in some way about something, whether it's religious things and your family values, because I know so many children are turning on their family values nowadays. This is really popular. They're getting caught up in, in ideas on social media and just other social ideas with you know friends and schools and whatever. And, um, and parents are going, wait a minute, how come all of a sudden the child is turning on basic values you know, that we've always held dear as a family and turning against our relationships? There's a lot of parents who are worried about that. There's a lot of parents who just also are worried about that four-year-old who won't stop screaming and having having a tantrum all the time. And they're like, how do I get their heart and behavior to change? Okay. They have to want it. Mm -hmm. They have to want to change. And how do they want it to change? Through love. But we're going to share a four-step process here for how they get to that place of wanting their heart and their behavior to change and really doing it themselves, even though, I mean, you've set up the foundation for them, like you've created an environment where it's totally the place and the time to change heart and to change behavior. But, but how do they really go through this process? So Paige, step number one. Step number one or principle number one. I don't know if they're necessarily steps, but (laughs) they kind of do go in order a little bit, but you're right. They're principles. Yeah. So number one, which we kind of already touched on is, you know, you as the parent or, you know, the spouse or the child. So basically everyone must first let go of their selfishness. So the biggest thing is you can't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Those behaviors that happen, you can't, say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're making my life so difficult. You know, this, that, and the other. Um, I was talking with a mother uh, a little bit ago and she was telling me how, you know, oh, my child did this and this, and it just irked me so bad. I'm like, honey, you can't take it personal. And (laughs) she was like, ah, no. (laughs) But it's so true because when you choose to take things personally, that's you being selfish. And that's you saying, oh, you know, my feelings are more important than my relationship with my spouse or my child. And so um, you have to instead think of what is in the best interest of the other person. Because when you choose to think about others, that actually, first of all, it helps to teach them and train them and helps them want to change their heart. But later on, it teaches them to think about you first as well. Mm. And so... Uh, This was something that was very well taught for me growing up. So yes, I was a stubborn child and um, there were things that I'm sure were annoying to you, but instead of taking it personally, you chose to take the time to correct me and to be loving and calm. And because of that, I developed a habit of, oh, you know, I need to look at the other people first and I need to make sure that I'm going where I need to go, but then I need to focus those energies or uh, skills on other people and make Mm -hmm. sure that they're headed in the right direction as well. 
Paige, should we get personal here? There I'm actually sorry. was there actually was a time when I was taking your behaviors personally. You don't remember this. You were oh, how rude. Yeah, you were probably like seven that makes or sense. something. Yeah. And <laughs> but you were so bossy and it was just draining everyone in the family. And I believe it. <laughs> and we were correcting you all the time. And I was glad you had such a strong self-confidence and everything. <laughs> but but you were bossy and and it just was so annoying. And so there was a time where I'm like, she is bugging me and she's bugging all of us. And me and dad were like, ah, she's bugging me. And then, and then we went, wait a second. We can't let that bug us. Like we can't Mm -hmm. do that. We have a responsibility here. So then I started praying that I would feel increased love for you and that I would not have that desire to take behaviors personally but I would just help you through it instead you know kind of a thing and mm-hmm. um so that was that was there was a time when even I used the same thing we're talking about here um so principle number one of letting go of the selfishness letting go of well how bugged I am by something (laughs) and deciding not to take it personally I even did that you know with you and that was a big lesson for me because Mm -hmm. um, because prior to that I had had a lot of experience doing that with foster children but never had my own own child Mm -hmm. never had my own (laughs) child bugged me to a point where I was like ah I am not enjoying being with my own child and then I went wait a minute wait a minute, Nicolene, you already know what to do here. Why are you forgetting? Just because I say it's not like I was purposely behaving the way I was to make you suffer. No, no, no. You were just learning and growing and just being being seven year old girl. And that's what you have to remember is like most of the time they're doing it just because either they learned it from someone else, hint, hint, wink, wink. Oh yeah. Or, (laughs) or, you know, they have learned that this is a style of manipulation that helps them get what they want. Well, yeah. And when you're seven, everything is just, you know, you're like, okay, that's right. And that's wrong. Like you have a really good <laughs> Very sense black of and white. moral, which is good. This is all children go, go through, you know, I mean, you, you should, if not, you can end up morally corrupt. Mm-hmm. So, so it is good. All children go through this. But then some of them take it to the next level and start initiating it at others. Like, now I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah. (laughs) And anyway, and dad especially was like, okay, I am done with being my daughter trying to boss me. And anyway. And I was still figuring out roles as well. Oh, well, yeah. No, uh, no one puts anything like there's no, there's no uh, fault or anything else. It was just a time when you were seven years old. I mean, that happens, you know? Um, but I, there've been lots of things over the years with many people that I love that I'm like, okay, you know what? That does not have to matter to me. I'm going to go ahead and just let that thing go and decide that I'm going to focus on who the person really is. Well, that's really one of your strengths too. And that's something that I know a lot of people look up to. They're like, oh my gosh, she doesn't care who I am, you know, or what I've done or how I have behaved in the past, she still loves me. Mm -hmm. And so you've been able to connect with a lot of amazing people 
um, who maybe do struggle with stuff like that, but have brought a lot to the table. Well, thanks, Paige. No, it's, it's something that you have to deliberately decide to do. And I definitely trained myself to do it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and every once in a great while still have to re- remind myself. It's pretty much habit now to always just give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Don't think of myself so much. Don't take things personally. But every once in a while, I might feel something boiling up and I have to go, oh, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. And I have to push that off and decide that it's not going to be productive to do mm-hmm. anything with. So anyway, let's talk about the next principle. So the next principle, how, how we're going to help a person want to change their own behavior and heart. So number one, the person that's going to help them can't take it self. It can't be selfish or take it personally, right? We have to think of the best interest of the other person. And we have to think about helping them learn instead of punishing them or Mm -hmm. making a point. Okay. Which I think is what often happens. Okay. So then the next principle, principle number two is the, the bond. Okay. So improving the bond because the bond shows acceptance and belonging, super important. So if we are not bonded to them, then we do not give that feeling of acceptance. So one of the tone elements that I talk about in my teaching self-government course and program is I talk about acceptance and how important it is that everybody feels this sense of belonging, like they're part of something with you in the family. And if you are not bonded to them, they will not feel accepted. It doesn't matter if they get to come to every family activity and outing. It doesn't matter if they're with you every single second of the day. If the bond is not right, they will not be sure that they are fully accepted by you. And so that bond is super important. When we talk about, you know, helping create or forging a really strong bond, with other people, it really requires taking a deeper look, okay? So stopping, taking a a look at the other person, a look of gratitude and appreciation, you know? Um, Stopping, looking at them in the eyes, just that, okay? Just that changes your bond. I mean, you just try it. You're at the store. You're not looking at the clerk or you're with your spouse. You're doing stuff. You're not looking at them. You're just thinking through things. They're doing their thing and and you feel kind of not as bonded. And then you just stop and you just look at them and you listen to what they have to say. And you talk to them about something that they care about. And all of a sudden your gratitude for them increases. Mm -hmm. Your love for them increases and the bond changes. And so, I mean, it's just amazing. And then all of a sudden it shows acceptance. Mm -hmm. If you take that minute to listen to another person, to look at them in the eyes, then they go, Oh, I'm bonded to them. They accept me. I belong to them. We're, we're, we're connected. We, we love each other. We're family. Well, and that really makes an impression on those people. And it really makes a difference. I know for me, I've experienced times where Um, people around me, maybe some of my friends, you know, we didn't really share interests, but I made it a point to care about what they were telling me or to care about an aspect of their life that normally I wouldn't. And, you know, asked them about it. I said, you know, share with me, share with me what you did um, and what you experienced. And you could see them just light up 
because maybe not a lot of other people have listened or they're not used to sharing and like, oh my gosh, she cares. You know, she Mm -hmm. wants to actually listen to me. And that's been huge. I've been able to connect with so many different people that way. And it's, it's been a very big help in making those connections. And now, because I've made those connections, I can share them with other people. My husband likes to steal my friends and it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay, let's move on to step number six, or I guess we're interchanging now. Maybe it's just principle number. Wait, did I say six? You did say six. It's three. I don't know how to count. Three times two. Okay, here we go. Step so number, number three. three. Let's talk about number three. Okay, Paige, what's number three? So number three is it's all about love. So um, love initiates change. And so when you when you love someone, there's obviously things you're going to be doing a bit different, right? So one of the biggest things is praise. Praise is so important. When you truly love that person, you're always going to be looking for the good things that they do. I mean, you'll notice the things that maybe need correction, but you'll always be searching for those things that you can praise. And I know for me, this is uh, this has been a little bit tricky because I'm not used to actually verbally saying, oh, wow, good job. You know, this looks amazing. It's it's interesting because I thought I was so good at that. And then I got married and realized that I needed help. <laughs> we learned so much when we started. I know. <laughs> yes, it's, Paige, your journey is just beginning. I know. And so it's it's been interesting because, um, you know, Joseph and I, we have such, we have different skills and stuff that we use and we're both still learning how to do things and you know accept positive criticism stuff like that it's funny because Joseph is so good at it he tells me all the time um you know how pretty I am what a good job I did um stuff like that I'm like oh thank you so much you know I really appreciate it but then I have a hard time you know turning around and giving it back to him um which you know I guess that could be kind of a pride thing so going back to you know number one being selfish <laughs> but um praise is so important and I know the times where I actually do praise my husband he is you could just see his heart just soften and you know his little teddy bear self just drinking it all in mm-hmm. and it really does increase the bond that we have with each other and so that praise really is so important even for the small things um so you should praise the person way more than you correct them yeah and when we are in our closest relationships like spouse relationships whoa and child parent relationships i think it is so easy to stop the praising or to not have it happen that often And so Mm -hmm. just to remind ourselves, we need to praise a lot, always praise the good because we're teaching cause and effect to anyone, right? Anyone we talk to, there's cause and effect, but, but I mean, we're talking about love here, initiating change. When a person feels loved, then they usually feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you have that praise, you're actually choosing to see the real person because if you're just looking at their bad things, you're not taking in their whole you know, their whole individual. Mm-hmm. And so when you choose to praise and see the good, you're seeing the person as a whole, you're seeing the whole them. And mm-hmm. that really is so important with love because then you get the whole picture. You don't just get one-sided. 
Yeah. Yeah. So true. Which means the the mistakes, the bad decisions, the, those things are just, okay, let's just work through that little bump. Yeah. Like, but yeah, they're part of that person, but eh, small. It's, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I remember when I started doing foster care, um, I, there was a training that I had and they talked about when you correct the, a person, you know, when you're going to point out something that they need help with, that it's a really good idea to start with some words of understanding. And I was like, love that. That makes total sense to me because you should, before you, you are telling someone something that needs to be fixed, you should let them know, listen, this isn't a personal attack. I understand you. I know you're trying your best, right? Or something, some words of empathy, understanding, caring, love, maybe even praise at the beginning, you know, that you could use, but they, they were just saying, you know, you should start out your interaction with someone with, with words that are, are caring and understanding, especially if you feel like it's going to be a hard correction for them to take. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is a super good point. So I was constantly saying things like, I know you were in a hurry this morning, but you know, so showing some understanding that I understand you know, life is, life is tricky or whatever, or sometimes we're in a rush and we do things a little haphazard, but I would say, but just a, a, a while ago, or, but this morning, this is what happened, you know, or I know right now that you're stressed about getting everything done, but just now you used a, a voice tone with me that, that wasn't uh, appropriate, right? It wasn't calm and it wasn't respectful or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so what you should have done was then we move on to the correction. And, um, but we start with, Hey, I listen, I know you're not perfect. And I, and I know you're trying your best and, but let's just, I need to give you a little help here. need to give you a little tip. You know what? I honestly have had to work harder at that with my husband than I ever did with my children. And I, I think it's actually beginning like, to understand why that could be a thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, because, well, because the thing is, is that with your child, you're like, okay, they're still learning. They're still growing. But when it's another adult, you're like, well, I mean, don't you know this already? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's us taking it personal. If you think. Yeah. That. And so, and so I've had to tell myself with my husband, tell him what you see that's good first, then bring up a, Hey, can we fix this? You know? And, and I have to say that's a diligent effort to put in on that. In fact, I can even see just within the last week where I could probably have ha changed a few interactions <laughs> for the better. I think had I, had I remembered to do that. So, yeah, and he does a lot better with corrections when that happens. Cause I've been present mm -hmm. for, you know, some of those all throughout my growing up and he does so much better when he can see some good that's happened instead of just oh my wife is nagging me again yeah like I don't want to hear another bad thing <laughs> because like if he if he hears something he needs to improve on or if you know he missed something or something went wrong or whatever you know not everybody's always in the mood to just take that um, some people take correction better than others. And that's why when you're, when you have children, teach them to accept corrections and consequences so that, that they can have that healthy skill and they can talk about, you know, what's going on with their family, because 
many, many people are not raised to take correction right. and to, to accept consequences. And then that makes their learning process difficult and they could get emotional or think bad of other people. And, and bless my husband's heart. I mean, he is just really motivated individual, always <laughs> moving, moving, doing, doing. And so if he ever hears that he's done something wrong, and he's like, what? He, if he's you not don't prepared, appreciate what I've done. If, if he's not prepared <laughs> for it, you know, he can feel a little bit like, ah. So yeah, so it's better to, you know, make sure that you remember that love, which oftentimes is in the form of empathy and praise, okay, um, initiates that change of heart. So if you've already got that bond going in good direction and you start out with a, a real feeling of love and understanding and appreciation, then can come that change of heart. So that brings us to step number four or principle number four. And that is um, finally the corrections are welcomed and applied. So remember, this is all about how they want to change their heart and their mm -hmm. behavior. Okay. So parents have to do corrections. I mean, that's just part of training a person, a child. Okay. Especially when they're young, don't overload them. Don't do too many. Don't, I mean, don't be like every two seconds. Oh, and that, and that, and that, and that, like, sometimes you can, it's you okay know, to like, let things go. Well, I'm not, I don't want to say it like that, but it's yeah. like, don't micromanage. Right? right. That's better. Yeah. Don't micromanage because so often, you know, we see, okay, well that, you know, they, they should have it a quarter of inch that way, or, or they put something on the wrong side of the dishwasher or <laughs> it's just like, oh my goodness. Where it's not I mean, really a wrong decision or a bad behavior. It's just like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. There's like, there's no, there's no bad feeling or manipulation behind it, but sometimes no. even occasionally there could be, they're trying to get calm maybe they're, they're working on it, but maybe you can see that they're still needing a few breaths or whatever. Or, well, then be merciful and say, let's take a couple more breaths instead of just nailing it in again. Like, Hey, you know, you're not calm, which hopefully you're never saying it like that anyway, but you know, we, we need to have patience and understanding. So then when you give correction, which does need to be done with love, but with consistency, then they welcome it and they even will apply it. They may still feel like, oh, darn, I have to be corrected, <laughs> and, but they will make the change and they will move on and acknowledge, yep, that's, that's right. I, I should have done it different. Yeah. Well, then they feel what, like they're understood. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by welcome it. That doesn't mean they're going to be like, yay, I'm being corrected. <laughs> so don't expect that because that's going to be very rare to occur because most people don't like to take the time for a correction, even if they right. do acknowledge that it should happen. Um, and that's and actually one reason why a lot of quote unquote corrections come off wrong because people are like, okay, it's just going to take too long. Okay. Stop it. You know, mm -hmm, the time people don't mm -hmm. want to take the time to do it the right way. But when you love them, you'll take the time. I know you got to talk more, but not luxury to talk more yeah. instead of just getting short tempered. Yes. Okay. So when you are correcting, you want to have a spirit of teaching, teach them with understanding of who they really are and, and where they're going and, say, and where they're at. Yeah. And where they're at and where they're going. So 
when you are teaching them, when you're correcting them, this is a teaching moment. This is a moment where you say, you got this. And you know what? I know that that was a hard morning or we stayed up late last night and that waking up on time today is kind of hard, but we need to do this, you know, and this is how it went. We didn't get up and, and we told you ahead of time that we were going to have to wake up on time. So there is going to have to be a correction for this, right? But it's mm-hmm. not something, you're, you're not doing it in a way where you're like, you are making me so mad because I have to talk to you about waking up. You know, it's <laughs> like, no, just this is, I know this is where you're at, but you can do this. You can move forward. You can wake up <laughs> in the morning, you right. know? Um, so you teach them personally too. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Like individually, individually. So it is always better to do teaching individually than it is to do publicly. Okay. And to make a public spectacle of somebody. Now our family culture is so welcome and open to corrections that in our family, we can say something like, Hey, just now this is what you're doing. And this is what you should be doing. Here's why. And so, you know, this is what you've earned and stuff. And we can talk about this and everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, no big deal. And it's not like, it's not like it is a, a you know, a public spectacle. Yeah, and it's not like siblings are come up after and go, <laughs> it stinks to be you. Mm-hmm. We're just yeah, like, oh, so- you know, okay, whatever. Yeah. So that's, I mean, technically home and family life is still private. Okay. But sometimes there's even other things that you come to a person literally personally, privately, and you discuss with them when you say, okay, you know, Hey, this is, I've noticed you have a problem with, you know, being rude to this other sibling or whatever. Or hygiene. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that would be another one. Yeah. Especially if it's a really personal issue, like hygiene. Yeah, for sure. Um, But you know, you might, you don't have to protect. I mean, a person, a child in their own home shouldn't feel like they're protected from correction correction should feel normal, but it should feel like it's personal. It's not about displaying to the group. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember one of my foster daughters, in fact, the one that I mentioned just before who had a problem with lying and stealing, she had a lot of siblings who had problems with lying and stealing. And I remember her mother saying to me, Cause I would work with the parents, you know, and her mother saying to me, well, I just hang a sign on the kids. that says liar. Oh, that's not and I And I'm like, Whoa, I, I was like, okay, I need to gently talk this mother out of this. <laughs> she, um, she felt like that was the best way to teach them is to brand them a liar, you know? And and so I said, okay, let's, let's talk about, you know, teaching and how you can reach them. Would you be open to suggestions? And she's like, well, yeah. And so I had to make sure that she was open. I had to establish a kind of a bond. Right. And I had mm-hmm. to also decide to let go of, whoa. Right. And did not shock, like, like, what? Yeah, holy cow, you're hanging a sign on a child. And then I had to go to, okay, can we, can she see that I, I really want her best interest, right? And try to speak to her in a place of understanding and love and say, you Yeah, know, you had to create a little bond with her. Mm-hmm, I did. And I had to say, 
I know you are trying to help them. And these behaviors can be so frustrating. And I know because I have children who have problems with lying and lying. And your child is in my home. (laughs) It's a different one of them, but yes. (laughs) And so, um, so I said, so, um, can, you know, here's, here's some suggestions. What about if when they lie, you go through this procedure, right? And so then I helped her figure out how she could talk to them about it and not brand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually really awesome. And not, so then I figured out how I could help her talk to them about it and not brand them as liars. Because I really feel like the one reason that the foster daughter that I had in my home, her daughter, um, had such an issue is because she's like, I'm just a liar. I mean, she said that to me so many times. I'm a liar. I'm good at it. So it's like, I, I can't you know, help it. This is what I do. Yeah. And it was like, there's no other way. Hmm. And I thought, uh-oh, that's what happens when you hang a sign on a person. And when everybody can only talk about lying to them and there's no other depth or conversation about this person, except for their one problem, then this is what we get. Right. And this is not handling things personally. Okay. This is making them then a public spectacle, branding them, which is not good. Yeah. So now I had, I had a, a, an experience just a few days ago. Um, my husband and I were in the car and I said something and we, we had our friend with us in the back seat and I said something and then he said something almost like, you know, correcting like, well, it's actually this and this. And that just, I'm like, Oh, okay. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, you need to tell him that, you know, he can't correct you every time you say something. And so I almost, I almost started saying it, but then I realized, you know what, this can be saved for later when it's just the two of us. Mm, Yeah. Because you have your friend in the back seat. Right. And I'm like, you know, just make a mental note, put a little pin in it and then bring it back later in a couple's meeting or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's okay to come back to something. Totally. And, and that's smart. Like that right there is super wise because there isn't always a point in you know, saying every little thing that needs to be corrected. Well, that gave me time to think about it too. Like, okay, does this really need to be discussed? Okay. Yeah, it probably does, but not now. Mm -hmm. So there have been many times when you've been with youth groups or friends, or we've had people over where certain things have happened and, and it's like a small little things, like maybe you've been rude or, Mm -hmm. uh, or you said something in a way, wasn't the right way to say it. And, but things are flowing along afterward that I would pull you aside later, right? Yeah. Or on the way home from youth group or the way home from chorus or the way, you know, talk to you about it, but not right in the minute, talk to you about it. Right. So there's some wisdom in that. And certainly in the husband and wife relationship, there's wisdom in that, but then occasionally there's things when you had friends over that I had to say, okay, what's going on right now is a, is a no, it's not okay. You know, so we got to adjust, we got to do this, you know, and switch it a different direction. So occasionally, I mean, I had to do a correction in front of whoever was there, but if the tone is done right, and if the bond is there, and if it really is, you know, the correction is done in love, 
then you guys never had any problem. You know, no, like, we okay. never saw it as a spectacle. We're like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, Oops. Thanks for bringing that to my yeah. attention. I didn't want to be annoying to my friends. Yeah, exactly. But then there were certain times when it wasn't okay, right, for me to do it then, and I knew it. Yeah. And so I think you have to be intuitive about that, and just make sure that your children are, um, that they know those corrections are something that where you're helping them. You're not putting them on display and trying to make them look bad in front of other people. Do you know, transforming hearts um, is something that actually happens within each individual. So when we're talking about a person's heart transforming, it's because they wanted it to, because Mm -hmm. they wanted their heart to change. They wanted their behavior or their connection to change. And uh, the change of our spouse's heart or our parent's heart. If we're a child, like an adult child and we have an adult parent, and we're trying to work on that or whatever, <laughs> or, or, you know, our child's heart starts with the change of our heart. It starts with the change of our heart. So if we can remember that it, we have to focus on not holding on to bad thoughts and feelings and taking things personally. We have to focus on bonding to them and to thinking about the love we have for them and the appreciation that we have for them. And those corrections need to come through with all of those things. And then they get the chance to see the truth through our words. The truth that started with, I love you. You can tell I love you, right? Mm -hmm. And so even when a child is completely out of control, we can be thinking, I love you. We can say the words of the rule of three or what, you know, the, the skill that we're using to help them, to point them toward calmness. We can say those words with love. We can think them with love, with belonging, with acceptance, even though that person might be at their worst right at that minute. And that right there, I know, is probably the hardest thing for people. But if you can create a habit of loving conversation, of caring correction and understanding teaching to the children. And you can do this through that love. Then their hearts truly will turn toward you. They'll want to do what they should do. They'll see the wisdom in it and they will choose it for themselves because your love is always constant. And I want to just throw in another little thing. And that is that I know many people are saying, okay, well, what if I've already chased my child away? (laughs) What if? (laughs) And change. It's never too late to change. Yeah, exactly. What if we've already had so many conflicts that this might be a lost cause? It never is. It never is. And even if your child is an adult and they don't live in your home anymore, And it seems like they've turned on everything you believe in. Just decide right now. I'm going to go pray to love them right now. I'm going to pray to love them every day. Even if we're not on talking terms, I am going to pray to love them. And I'm going to think grateful thoughts for them every day. And I am going to try the best I can to reach out with love and kindness and let them know, hey, I'm sorry for the way I behaved before. And I want you to know that I love you no matter what. Yeah. And, that, and, and that's it. And that, you know, if I was, if I figured out I was in the wrong, I would say, you know, and I'm sorry for the things that I know I did 
that maybe, you know, made you do this. And I'm working on changing. And then just throw the love on. I love Mm -hmm. you no matter what. And, and you know what, over time, if they really see that statement in action, then they really do draw closer to you. The bonds become stronger, the hearts open up, and then some little changes start to occur. They start seeing the world a little bit differently because they're bonded to you in a different way. So it's never too late, even if they're adults, keep working on that love and that connection and that show of support. Always do that. Thank you so much for joining us on this Teaching Self-Government podcast where we have been getting deep about love. Um, And I hope that you will have more love in your relationships as you move forward throughout your week. If you would like to find out more information about any of the things that we've been talking about and about the skills and the principles and the tone elements and the relationship and the bonding and all those kinds of things, please go to teachingselfgovernment.com because you can find so much more information there. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.